listen. Just listen. I'm Miles Pulaski, and this is Second Story Podcast. Second Story is Serendipity Theater Collective's hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music. A collaboration among actors, writers, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, Second Story storyteller, Sharon Green. To go on this vacation, I had worked all year at a restaurant called Yesterdays. It was well-named Yesterdays, describing in a single word its food, its decor, and its sexual politics. My girlfriend, Mofo, worked at the local organic food market. Her name was Mary Frances, but we called her Mofo, like the Prince song, Sexy Motherfucker, except instead of a multiracial man in purple spandex crawling across a stage, imagine a five-foot-five white Quaker dyke from rural Montana in orange denim pants. That was my Mofo. So we had worked and saved all year to go on this Colorado vacation, and we decided that we wouldn't let the fact that Mofo just dumped me stop us from going. When she dumped me, we had already bought the plane tickets. We had borrowed the condo totally free. We had reserved a rental car. It was senior year, our spring break, and Mofo said she didn't feel it would be fair to me if she went on the vacation without telling me that she didn't feel we should be dating anymore. And I suggested that it might have been fairer to me if she had just kept her mouth shut tightly on my vagina until after vacation. (laughs) Which forced her to say that she didn't love me anymore and didn't feel like putting her mouth anywhere near my vagina. Actually... She thought she might be straight and had a crush on this guy at work. No, not that guy, the other one, with a full beard and ponytail. To be left is bad enough. To be left for a man who looks from varying angles like Crosby, Stills, and Nash. (sighs) Crushing. So that hurt, but I decided to try to be mature about it. We acknowledged that it would be difficult for us to go on this vacation, just the two of us, so we decided to ask all our friends to see who might want to come on what was shaping up to be the most disappointing, claustrophobic, crying silently into your pillow at night spring break ever. All our friends meant weekly for the Wednesday night vegan lesbian potluck. This was an unofficial campus homosexual organization that we had started ourselves. It had no political dimension. Its only mission was to get us fed and laid. But everyone at the potluck already had spring break plans, except Alyssa. Now, Alyssa was what we called a PTL, a part-time lesbian. (laughs) A young woman with terrible taste in men who, after each breakup, would cut her nails, lose five pounds vomiting to Ani DeFranco, and declare she wanted pussy. Two nights later, she would burst into tears, making out with some poor, unsuspecting woman on a fire escape. And one week later, she would be back together with the terrible man who had dumped her. No one at the potluck thought that Alyssa was a lesbian or even bisexual, but we understood that we were running a sort of salon and that the mix of people must create a certain light and heat. Alyssa was a decorative floor lamp with a low wattage bulb. 
And now she was coming on our Colorado vacation. Outside of the context of this destroyed relationship, it made no sense for either of them to be going on a ski vacation. They did not know how to ski. They did not want to learn how to ski. They were not outdoorsy. They hated to be cold. But the tickets were all non-refundable, so off we all went to Vail, Colorado. There is nothing to do in Vail, Colorado for less than $75 a day except have sex and go skiing or go ice skating. And Mofo and I were done having sex. So the very first morning we were there, I woke up early, circled the town ice rink on a map, and went to go skiing without waking anyone. I am a good skier, but I'm not a great skier. Let me tell you what I like about it. When you are skiing, you travel alone in the most animal way. You move through your environment like a wolf, choosing the path down the mountain that covers the most ground, expending the least energy. Focused but not blinkered, you begin to hear and see everything in intensely sharp detail. The moment you tip your skis over a run that's just a little above your skill level, you become hunter and hunted, wolf and rabbit, running for your life. At the bottom of the hill, you arrive relieved and triumphant and a little bit sad. And on the long, slow lift back up, you reapply chapstick. <laughs> so at the end of my ski day, I'm walking back up the hill toward the condo and I see these two women who appear to be having a slow motion consensual snowball fight. Like me, they are wearing full-body snowsuits and enormous heavy plastic ski boots. First one will sort of waddle ahead, scoop up a, a fistful of heavy wet snow in their mitt and walk back and sort of toss it at the other. Then they both laughed and kept walking. I followed them up the hill and they turned into our condo parking lot. Suddenly they're wrestling. Their enormous plastic boots swing to the side and they fall into a six-foot snowdrift made by the daily plow. This is more than I could have prayed for. I am not alone. I stomp up to them, pull off my goggles in what I hope is an alluring way and say, hey there, where does a girl who like girls go for a drink in this town? <laughs> in retrospect, this was perhaps too bold. But actually, after a, a startled moment of pre-Ellen panic, one of them smiles up at me and says, our house, as far as we know. Melody and Dawn have been together nine years. They run an adventure travel agency in Denver. They had borrowed the condo right next to ours from one of their bosses. Until I caught them in the snowbank, they had been too embarrassed to even hold hands at dinner. I told them my story, on spring break with my ex and a straight girl, both non-skiers. They be make noises of pity and horror and declare that we must go drinking tonight at the Moosehead Bar. I tell them I'm not sure we can make it, and we both trundle and roll into our borrowed condos that share a wall. Of course, we went to the bar that night. I mean, Alyssa and Mofo were thrilled. There was going to be beer, lesbians, and athletic men all in one place. Suddenly, the Moosehead Bar at the foot of Vail Mountain was bisexual college girl heaven. <sighs> Two beers in, Melody leans into me and says, so we've been talking about it, and we want to ask you to have sex with us, both of us. We've discussed it, 
and we're discussed what we're comfortable with as a couple, and we want you to know it would be all about you. <laughs> well, I would be lying if I said this hadn't crossed my mind, but that didn't mean I knew what my answer should be. So I told them I was flattered and that I needed a moment to think about it. I took a ladylike sip of my beer, excused myself, and went and hid in the bathroom for 15 minutes. But hiding from lesbians in a women's bathroom doesn't work. <laughs> Mary Frances noticed I had gone missing and came to look for me. After I explained the invitation, she said, I think you should go for it. Really? Yeah, I mean, if you don't take this opportunity, I might. I mean, if I were gay. So five minutes later, I walk out of the bathroom, walk up to Melody and Don and say, okay, I'm in. That's the best offer I've ever had and I accept. I told them I needed one more drink, time to tell my friends not to wait up and that they couldn't be offended when I left, in, left early to get in a full day skiing. So we walk to the condo door. Melody unlocks the door and Don held it open for me to walk through. Inside it was 1977, all orange shag rug and avocado appliances. We pour ourselves a glass of water each and go into the bedroom. The hardest part of sex is getting started, and this problem is only compounded when you increase the number of moving parts. The first thing that happened was that they kissed one another, really long and slow and deep. And this made me think of Mary Frances, and I got a little sad. So I put down my glass of water and took off my shirt. It's hard to talk about this stuff without sounding like porn or go fish or showtime. <laughs> they wouldn't let me not touch them because I ran my hand over every inch of Dawn's taut butch body. On one leg, she had those thick white scars on either side of her knee where she had been rebuilt, reconstructed after years of soccer or volleyball. I wanted to touch her so much, I had to be careful not to ignore Melody, who was clearly used to being on the bottom. She kept sort of settling into the bed and then popping up like she'd forgotten a pie in the oven. <sighs> Something gooey and not yet done. <laughs> They wouldn't let me fuck them, not with my hands, my tongue, anything. That was what was meant by all about you. This was how they were protecting their relationship, but for me, it just meant that my function was clear. After three years of pursuing a minor in women's studies, I had finally learned what it meant to be objectified, and I highly recommend it. <laughs> I would like to give you an idea of the shapes or configurations involved, but I really don't know if there's any accepted Kama Sutra slang for this kind of thing. I kind of like animals, so I'd like to invite you to imagine a crab being chased by two eager puppies. <laughs> or a horse with a lazy rider and a stowaway. A clutch of horny giraffes, all in search of high fruit. But none of this captures the pure fuck energy or how long it all went on, since everything they did felt terrific, but nothing they did ended things in that one huge orgasm that tangles up in a knot of giggling sheets. It couldn't be that because we were strangers to one another. 
Even they were strangers to each other in this situation, polite, concerned with etiquette and manners. It was a sort of high tea. Lumps, cream, another lady finger, aren't they good dunked? Why, yes they are. Sure, it seems kind of stiff, but I was and am a woman of joy, and I had approximately 40 orgasms. Because I could, and because it was like the Pony Express. At every small destination, you just got a fresh horse. I left at 6 a.m. I went next door and showered, put on a snowsuit, and went skiing, all without waking anyone. That night, I hung out with my friends, eating stir-fried broccoli and watching Four Weddings and a Funeral. Melody and Dawn called twice and left vague messages of meeting again. Each time I stood with my hand over the phone, aware that they could probably hear both the phone and the television through the shared condo wall. But I always sat down with my friends again. Melody and Dawn, wherever you are, I want to thank you for making my fantasy come true before I even knew I had it. For being proof of long-lasting lesbian love when I needed it most of all. For being bold enough to ask for what you wanted and smart enough not to call a third time. I hope that your adventure made your relationship better and hotter, and if it didn't, I am sorry for you, but I am not sorry because this was a moment of intense sexual truth of wolves and rabbits in the deep, deep snow. I wish all of you here more love, more truth, more outlaw fulfillment. Despite all attempts at regulation, these things are still free. And I just want to say one thing. Happy Valentine's Day. Say happy Valentine's Day. That was Sharon Green. If her story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar in the Morseland or one of our upcoming special events. On March the 5th, we're late night at Straw Dog Theater. And March 14th, we kick off Story Week with Columbia College. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Amanda Delheimer, Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, and Nick Kawahara. I am Miles Pulaski. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Art Council Estate Agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, visit us at storiesandwine.com. You got it. When Cupid knocks at your door, you can't ignore me. There's no need to run. So happy Valentine's Day. Hey. Now I may have it all wrong. See, if you know what love means, well, what's up?